0: Hello, everybody. This is John Rinaldi with another Network Connectivity podcast. Today, we're in part three of our three-part series about cybersecurity and protecting the manufacturing floor. And again, I'd like to welcome Jeff Smith, the CTO of Dynex. Good morning, Jeff.
1: Good morning, John. Thanks for having me on again.
0: Well, today, we're going to, we've talked in the first two parts. We talked about the kinds of threats that are out there. We talked about some of the different ways that people are going about Trying to solve that problem. Today we're gonna to talk about a particular product that, that Dynex has called the ICS Defender. And so and, and you're the the main architect of that product. So tell me, why did why did you build the ICS Defender?
1: So um, in one of my former roles, I was an end user and um it's interesting that we went cold turkey Ethernet IP on the manufacturing space in about 2006. So to say we were on the bleeding edge of that is somewhat of an understatement. Um, and so, you know, we spent a few years building out the architecture, designing and it, getting it into play. And then in about 2010, we kind of turned our eyes towards security and remote access uh, ahead of the curve again, I think. Um, so, go ahead.
0: Yeah, that certainly was. That was that was before anybody had any inkling that the security on the manufacturing floor was a problem.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it really was. So, you know, I, I work, I work a lot with several of the major vendors um, of networking equipment uh, for OT and, you know, I looked at the product offerings. I had, I had a list of things that we wanted to accomplish. You know, I I'm a big believer in pick your top five and go after the top five then pick five more. Um, and I couldn't, I simply couldn't find what I wanted in um Without excessive cost, excessive complexity, multiple pieces of hardware out on the plant floor. Um, so, working with one of our local companies here in um, Detroit, we started to um, really flesh out what it what is today the ICS Defender. Um, So it went into production in 2012, uh, and it it was really designed to meet the needs of OT folks versus, um, you know, something that's designed for the enterprise, and then let's make it 24-fold, put DIN rail mount on it, and call it industrial.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, that's that's what I've always said is that there's so many people that they look at that, hey, we've got a cybersecurity product. Why don't we just make it, sell it to the manufacturing floor? And that's exactly what you do. It has to be 24 volts in bin rail. Now it's for manufacturing.
1: Yeah, I actually had one of our suppliers at the time send me their, quote, unquote, well, not at the time. This was a couple of years later. They sent me their first swag at a um, uh, an industrial perimeter firewall type of device, and it was uh, it had a hockey puck like a laptop for power and 120 volt AC. It was uh, <laughs> had four little feet that you set on a, a cabinet. Um, So I looked at it for a while. And because I'm not the kind to uh, let that thing go, I took it out to one of our machine builders and opened up a double door panel and I duct taped it to the back plate. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh,
1: And then (laughs) I ran right in the middle of the back plate. There was nothing else in there. And then right. I ran a big orange extension cord to it off the wall for 120 volts, took a picture of it, it <laughs> back to the supplier and said, when you make this industrial, let's try again.
0: <laughs> uh, so of all the, you know, when you started looking around for a cybersecurity solution, what are the three or four things that you really couldn't get from the solutions that were available that, and you, that you put into Defender? So
1: uh, initially it was re- we wanted remote access, so we wanted to do, um, you know, simple remote access. And in a lot of the products at the time, the only type of VPN that they supported was uh, IPsec versus SSL. So I really wanted something that, you know, our corporate standard at the time was SSL. And I thought, well, it's a lot less complex to set up than IPsec VPN. Um, I'm not doing site-to-sites with these things. So what if it's good enough for my IT group, why isn't it good enough for my platform?
0: Okay. All right. got to stop. Right there. So there's a lot of people that aren't going to know what the hell you just said. What is yeah. <laughs> what is IPsec and SSL?
1: So those are type of virtual private networking. Um, that The two different methods or approaches to virtual private networking. Um, IPsec is one that's been around for a long time. And, and while it's very, very secure, it's also very complex to set up and maintain. Um SSL VPNs is another type of uh, virtual private network. So if you work from home ever and you remote into your company and you access the company network, chances are that's an SSL VPN. Um, So I, I wanted to be able to remotely support equipment. Uh, that was kind of the, the, right. the first goal or monitor equipment. And then, uh, you know, I'm a big believer in people don't know what they don't know. So it's it's kind of hard to, you know, you, you do your best job at trying to second guess what you need in the future. But in the areas of cybersecurity on the plant floor, uh, that that was it was really such a, such new territory that, you know, you, nobody really knew what they didn't know. Um, And so six months later, I was looking for things like deep packet inspection because I had somebody flash the incorrect, um, flash the wrong PLC in a production line, which, of course, takes the production line down. Um, Mm. And so I was looking for something to use to help protect us even from accidental issues. So going back to my vendor at the time, I said, well, all right, so this is what I'm using for VPN, even though it doesn't do what I want exactly. How do I add, you know, deep packet inspection to that so I can really, I can make a PLC read only if I want to? And they said, well, that product doesn't do that. You need this product. And I said, well, okay. Um, then does the new product do the VPN stuff and the deep packet inspection? And of course, the answer is no. Of and so course. So now not. I'm, um, yeah. So now I'm looking at buying, you know, twenty five thousand dollars worth of hardware and software to, to yeah. solve both of those problems. And I'm like. You know there's got to be a better way i don't need that many points of failure in my network i don't need all this learning curve i don't need you know in manufacturing having um part numbers in stores is a big deal i don't want to have 12 different part numbers for this stuff in stores i want one
0: right now what what is tell tell uh Tell everybody what is DPI? What does that deep packet inspection mean? So deep packet
1: inspection is the ability to take, for example, an industrial protocol like Ethernet IP and and really tear it down to the bits and bytes level of the packet and understand If it is what it's supposed to be. Um, So with the ICS Defender, we have the ability to learn that traffic. And then once we've learned that traffic, uh, that's the only thing that gets through. So even ICS Defenders that have been out there for years that that don't have to get any sort of uh, definitions update because they do everything at the protocol level, uh, they'll still block. Malware that we see today, even though they may not have, you know, they might be running the original version of firmware, for example. Um, So it's a very powerful way to control the traffic in and out of um, a particular network or an area of a network.
0: Let's let's go a little deeper on that. So if a if there's a so so it's watching for particular messages and allowing particular messages coming through from the outside world into the manufacturing system. Is that right? Uh,
1: yeah, it's, um, if, if you look at, um, and I'll pick on Ethernet IP again. Ethernet sure. IP uses this, this, these elements of the messages that are called assembly instances instances, mm-hmm. and attributes. Right. And, you know, certain attributes mean certain things. So 4E is one, you know, one type of a message, which might be a SIP read or a SIP write. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have the ability to take a packet apart and say, okay, here's a read, here's a read, here's a write. We don't let the write happen, and we throw the write away. Okay. Um, so it's not allowed to write or I can specify, for example, um, I want no writes to happen unless they're going to create a trend for troubleshooting because a trend can't affect the PLC solve of logic. So I'm going to make the thing completely read only, except they can create a trend. Um mm-hmm. Another great example is I will let you clear the faults on a PLC and go from program mode to run mode, but I won't let you go from run mode to program mode. So we have very, very finite control of um, what actions, for example, Studio 5000 might try to take with a Rockwell PLC.
0: So if someone compromises a PC, a Windows PC on the IT side, and uh, that PC has access to a, to the PLCs on the manufacturing network, does can DPI stop them from, yeah. from doing things? Yep. You,
1: you can, um, for example, if you have RS links running on a, a, a computer or a PC and it's connected to a network with PLCs, uh, unless you choose to allow it using the deep packet inspection engine, you really can't even see links. RS links on that PC wouldn't even be able to see those PLCs. As far as links was concerned, they didn't exist.
0: Wow. Now, how does that differ from the other? Fi- yeah, everybody's got firewalls on the manufacturing floor. I mean, you yeah, how is this different from the firewalls that, that are currently being used?
1: Uh, most firewalls or traditional firewalls, the 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 best level or the best best depth you can get to is ether- is port based. So it's uh, for example, Ethernet IP uses port forty eight eight eighteen in mm-hmm. TCP. Um, so most cases, you can say, okay, I'm going to allow traffic TCP traffic on port forty four eight eighteen only. So that's great. You, you can eliminate a lot of potential traffic um, unless somebody writes malware that happens to use port 48818 in TCP, then, and then it'll get through. Um, and more importantly, if you allow everything on Ethernet IP to come through, then that means I can flash the firmware, I can change the IP address, I can stop the mm-hmm. controller, I can modify the logic when maybe I shouldn't. So simply being able to to allow or disallow a particular protocol by a port um, is what most traditional firewalls do. Having the ability to do deep packet inspection on that traffic means you can go, you can go several layers deeper than just the type of traffic, and very be very specific on the the uh, the commands or the the you know the requests for the reads or the writes or whatnot that that traffic or protocol is attempting.
0: Now, now this seems to fly in the face of a lot of what I see people buying today and putting in the manufacturer devices with dual NICs where. They've got one NIC that goes to the IT system, and you know to, to say a power monitor or a drive that's, that's monitoring energy data. So it sends the energy data on that side, and it talks to the PLC on the with the other NIC. And this that that situation, you it's hard to protect when you have a lot of devices like that, isn't it?
1: Uh, it is because you you know, you exponentially increase the attack surface. It's, it's interesting. I work with an organization called Simani and uh, one of the, one of the conversations or one of the suggestions that I've heard recently is, is to develop, and I've this has been a proponent of this for years, is to develop a um, secure data hub for the plant floor, whereby there's a common API on one application interface on one side um, and, and making that so that everything on the plant floor kind of goes through that single point. It's, 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 an, yeah. it's an agalist, an, agulist, an agulist, It's a new word for me today. It's, um, analogous analogous. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> it, before 10, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> It's uh it's kind of like capping a bottle. Um, so if you go out and punch you know fifty seven holes in something, it's it's pretty hard to figure out which hole the, the something's leaking through. But if there's only one hole, and everything has to ingress and egress through that individual location, it's very easy to understand where the problem is and if necessary cap it.
0: Mm-hmm. The uh, that that's very that's very clear. I think that uh, that you have to have that single point of access to the manufacturing network and i think that people miss that and part of that is because on the manufacturing floor we only we know every message that should be coming and going there so i think that's the thing that most devices that are cyber secure really don't take advantage of is that fact that we know what we're doing what we have there it isn't like it security
1: Uh, Yeah, that's very true. So it's, uh, you know, I've said for years that IT organizations and IT security needs to allow everything but what is known or suspected to be bad. In the OT space, we should allow nothing but we know what to be explicitly good. Um, We have that luxury, whereas in the IT space, because it's such a dynamic environment, they don't. It's another good reason that products developed for the IT space don't necessarily fit well into the OT or industrial space.
0: What, what are the kinds of threats that uh, that people are unaware of with the with the VPNs that they're using today to, to access their machines? I mean, most of them are uh, call out to the cloud. The uh, the user who wants to talk calls out to the cloud, and in the cloud they make this connection and. And now they're uh, they're in. Are those systems secure? And do, do, could you should you use an ICS Defender to protect that?
1: Um, you certainly could. The, the issue there's there's kind of two issues, and I've got a lot of customers who have run into this. Um, I always relate a story about a customer who put that type of security appliance in for his end user, and it was in Washington. And by the time he got off the plane. Um, back home here in Michigan, uh, the Internet service was out or this am- this this cloud service providers uh, portal was out on AWS for a couple hours, so they mm-hmm. couldn't support the equipment. Um, so you're, you're really going through a point in somebody else's computer and you're, you know. You, you, all of your data, all of your information, everything you do goes through that point and then back down. Um, so the, the security on that side is critical. Um, the second piece is it's it's a single point. So if that's not available, you have no way to get to or support um, whatever it is you're trying to support. Whereas if you're doing more of a point to point support, um, it you know there's there's many routes across the internet. Let's say
0: how did and taking that a little twist on that now there's a lot of people working from home now still even though the pandemic is essentially over are they sick secu- they're sec- they're dialing in well dialing in that shows you how old i am <laughs> they're, they're coming in from their uh, through the internet from their houses and using a vpn and is that is What's the security risk there with the typical VPNs that people are using for that, and could they use an ICS Defender in, in a situation like that? Should they have one at their home? Should they have one at the plant? Should they have both? Um, it,
1: it boils down to what their needs are. So, for example, at Dynex, uh, we use all of our own products. So we have multiple ICS defenders. Um, we have a large enterprise-grade ICS defender that's, you know, server room in our in our world headquarters, for example. Um, and all of the remote teams use that for support So, uh, or connectivity. So they connect with just a client on their machine into our system. Um, I have... Other some municipalities, for example, wastewater, and they will have a ICS defender um, at their facility. And then all of their remote substations or uh, remote users have ICS defenders and they connect ICS defender to ICS defender. Um, we also have uh, one of our technical support folks works remote from um houston texas we actually put an ip phone on his desk and put an ics defender behind it and using that we were able to give him straight up typical ip phone connectivity from his desk to our office just as though he's his phone was (laughs) sitting on our network here at the office wow that's pretty
0: cool um are, are people at risk though the ones that are just using straight home vpn to their manufacturing system with products like uh E1 and other things.
1: There's always a risk. Um, multiple factors of authentication is important. Um, you know, being able to support the various network types. I know, for example, a lot of some of the, those products you just mentioned don't support multiple virtual networks. Um, which, if you're doing, if you're following proper network segregation practices, mm-hmm. you should be using something called a VLAN, and they simply don't support that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're really designed for one-off or two-off people that want every now and then access their um, – long-term, the cost and the complexity of them is more than people realize. One
0: mm. what, uh, what of the principles that uh, behind ICS Defender is, is something called deny by default. Can you explain what, what deny by default means and why it's important?
1: Yep. Uh, So deny by default is something that all of our Dynex security products follow. Um, And I'll I'll explain what it is, and then I'll kind of explain or maybe give an example of why it is. Deny by default means that if you pull it out of the box and plug it in, um, nothing talks to anything unless you explicitly require it to or explicitly configure it. Um, The reason for that is obvious. Um, If you look at... A lot of our customers have used other products that are not denied by default. So, you know, even perimeter firewalls from some of the other major companies. um, When you plug it in, they've been so concerned about... um, you know, so concerned about let's not stop production, let's not stop production. Their default behavior is to allow all traffic. Well, if you look at how that goes on a plant floor, let's let's just walk through that scenario for a moment. Um, I've been machined down. The operator says none of the buttons on my HMI are working. I've got faults on the HMI. Nothing's happening. Um, For whatever reason, the, the tradesman decides it's this little box. So they pull the box out, get a new one from stores with the same part number, and they plug it in. If it's denied by default, then you don't compromise your security because you have to restore a configuration to it that is valid. If it's not deny by default, if it's allow by default, what's what's the indication to these folks on the plant floor that something is working and that they're all done and they can walk away? Well, the HMI works, the lights work, and the machine will go into production. So now you've got a maintenance person who says, okay, I replaced this little box and everything is working now. I'm done. So they walk away. And now you've got, over time, you're opening up more and more and more holes because essentially that that firewall or that appliance that's not denied by default is just a a big gateway for traffic. Um, I've had customers actually consider going to something, um, other than a firewall that 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 explicitly only allows uh, one way traffic because for that very reason they they ended up auditing their networks and found hundreds of these uh, out of the box configurations that were allow traffic by default
0: it's, are, it's are most are most firewalls you buy off the shelf or, you know, you know I don't know Cisco firewalls other ones you find on your manufacturing floor are most of them allow, allow by you know just allow everything
1: many of them are yes unfortunately.
0: Oh wow that's that's a huge risk then for people who really don't understand yep. how to protect how to protect uh, the manufacturing floor just allow all traffic through means that, that if you you can allow all sorts of malware or anybody to get yeah. in
1: Yep, And that's the same problem. You get all these folks that are using um, just NAT appliances. Yes. Um, what they don't understand is that is, NATs are typically a typical NAT is garbage in, garbage out. You're literally bridging together to network. And unless there's some sort of enforcement on that traffic, um, whatever goes in one side comes out the other. Uh, And and you also get a concept called bleed, which means certain types of traffic will bleed from the bottom of that net, that bottom network on that net to the top network. Um, And in the ICS Defender, we've done a couple of things to um, combat that issue is, number one, um, the only things that are allowed to talk are the exact devices identified in the net um, out that port. And as well as any traffic coming in can only be directed at those and then we also allow you to run that deep packet inspection engine across that NAT so that you can literally learn what you want to have happen. And that's all that goes through.
0: The, the typical device that we have today, if there's a NAT, anybody and so that NAT address is out there on the IT side uh, yeah. for, say, a PLC. Anybody who's compromised the IT network and God knows that there's a lot of compromising of IT networks going on can use that NAT to do anything they want. Is that true? Yes. Wow, that's that's a huge hole when you use a NAT and it's not, and you're not protecting it with something like the ICS Defender. Yes, it uh, sure is. Yep, sure. Uh, how do you, you tell me about uh, more profitable. Let's uh, you know what kind of platforms are have you made available for ICS Defender? Tell me about the licensing. Give me some of the details about what what users should be thinking about.
1: Okay, um, so. With, with ICS Defender, it's um, it's a bit of figure out what hardware fits your your particular needs. So we have um, we have very small DIN mount, 24 volt. We have uh, IP65. We've got um, several flavors of 19 inch rack mount, uh, and it will also run completely virtualizable in say a VMware, um, vSphere. Um, KVM, most of the major virtualization platforms. So, and I have actually have mm-hmm. customers who use it on the cloud, their cloud business, it's on the cloud side. So, anybody that connects to their cloud service actually uh, goes through a virtualized ICS Defender and, and they don't even realize it. Wow. Um, yep. And then within the, so you, you kind of pick your poison in terms of the platform that makes sense. Um, and then you decide what license level makes sense. So, one of the things that's always bugged me. And I'll kind of uh, harken back to that conversation I made about having to have three and four appliances when I first went down the security road. Um, It always bugs me that once I go to all the trouble of putting something in stores and I go to all the trouble of teaching it and having my people across the globe understand how to work with it and use it, is if I want to add more features or do more things, I have to get different hardware and maybe it configures completely differently. So I've got that whole learning curve. I've got all the validation to redo. So with ICS Defender, we designed a licensing model. So you can get an ICS Defender that is nothing more than a very basic simple NAT using something we call a simple NAT wizard. um, And you can create and use it for NATs. We have a number of customers that do. But then if you decide later you want to add deep packet inspection, well, then you can add that. It's a software license upgrade. So you just apply Mm -hmm. a new license, and then all of a sudden that capability becomes available. So you could buy... You know, a $750, whatever it might be, I'm just making numbers up. You could buy a $750 version and later upgrade it to the $4,000 version and all the features that come with it. And those aren't the actual prices, but it gives sure. you an idea. It gives you gives you the ability to scale the product as you grow in your understanding of what your needs are. Because if, again, if you don't know what you don't know, what I buy today, I don't want to be stuck with in a year if it's not what is going to work for me in a year.
0: Well, that's great, and uh, we've come to just about the end of our conversation today. And I think we did a a, a nice kind of shallow. Dive. I won't say a deep dive. We, you have to really get on the on a on the network and show the ICS Defender an operation. And certainly, anybody out there who's interested in doing that can contact uh, Real Time Automation. We so we'd be glad to help you help you with that, set that up. Yeah. Uh, Tell me um, one, one last thing I, you know, as I look through the, the kinds of things that, that we didn't cover. What about uh, 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 vendors who are coming into the plant to do things? How do, they, how do you protect yourself from their having malware on their laptops or, or are they doing, looking around and stealing some information or compromising your, your manufacturing system? How does ICS Defender help you in that case?
1: Well, there's a couple of avenues to take, and it depends on you know, um, how much security is dependent solely upon what risk someone is willing to live with. So you need more security if you're willing to live with less risk. Um, but by and large, we have a, a technology in the ICS Defender called Captive Portal, and that allows us to control uh, access to the network, parts of the network, equipment on the network by user, by voucher, um, by certificate, so we can have uh, multiple multiple levels of authentication um, and and allow you to control that type of
0: access. Great. Well, I think that's a, uh, that's been a good overview, and I want to thank you very much, Jeff, for your time today. And it's always a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, anybody out there that wants to know more about ICS Defender, would like to see a demo, would like to get one in their hands for testing, we can certainly arrange that. If you go to rtautomation.com and look at the Products tab under Security, you'll find uh, explanations of, of some of the feature list of, of what the different licenses have. And uh, I would really encourage you to do that because I think it's an outstanding product. So thanks very much, Jeff. You have a great day.
1: Thanks, John. I always appreciate it. You have an awesome day, too.